The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network. They're tangling in the back of the pack. Here they come off four. Kyle Busch won the season opener at Talladega. DeGroote was second. He's the reigning champion. It's the iRacers download. Cardwell hoping it stays green. He nearly spins it around. Who's it going to be, Cardwell, Berkeley, or someone else? Where reality meets the virtual world of auto racing. iRacing's executive director, Dale Earnhardt Jr. I think that NASCAR is starting to see the value and the opportunities that can present themselves working with iRacing. Presented by Crosley. Amplify your style. Here are your hosts, Taylor Burris and Justin Prince. Welcome to another episode of the iRacers Download on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley Radio and on NASCAR Digital Media. I'm your host, Taylor Burris. Alongside me is Justin Prince, as we are here to talk all things eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series as the action was able to continue in the virtual Sin City, the Las Vegas Motor Speedway, as well as also other news around the world of iRacing. And Justin, as we talk about the news of this week, we have a lot to talk about regarding Coke. We have also the eNASCAR College iRacing Series and a preview of what's to come with the Week 13 build, which kicks off next week, as we know. So a lot of exciting news. And we have a very special guest joining us. He is the driver of the number 8 Chevrolet for Junior Motorsports. It is Michael Conti, who wins at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway this past week in eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series competition. Well, it was an intriguing race, I will say, for eNASCAR competition because you had a lot of comers and goers. You had a lot of shuffling. You had a lot of pandemonium breakout. It was not an easy race whatsoever for competitors to try and battle with or try and figure things out, it seemed, Taylor. And for Michael Conti, he was the one the most prepared drivers, it seemed, in the field. He certainly was. As we saw, that 100-lap race was a caution field race, but for Conti, he was able to score his 12th career victory in eNASCAR competition and punches his way once again for a second year in a row to the playoffs later on this season. But it was a mix of drivers who were able to showcase their talents very well this past week, and a lot of drivers who are going to be going back to the drawing board and trying to figure out what they can do in order to really have a chance to showcase their talents. A lot of drivers that we have to really point at is drivers such as Donovan Strauss from William Esports, Logan Clampett over there with William Byron, and a lot of trouble even for one of the final four competitors from last season, Mitchell DeYoung, who ended up finishing in 32nd position. So a tough break for a lot of up-and-coming stars and some of the veterans. There was plenty of attrition, to say the very least, when it came to all of that, Marks. And that's just the nature, first of all, of the package with how the aggression levels need to be. But second thing, second, it was also where you need to also think of the give and take because it's a shorter race distance this year. That was the big question mark. How would the Speedway races fare out with a shorter race distance with not a lot of time to work with compared to the past seasons? And we've seen some of the results of that in turn as well as how some of the drivers handled themselves under the pressure and for some there's plenty of broken tempers it seemed a lot of tempers happening over this past week at las vegas a couple of them who i could recognize was of course the four-time champion real fala going toe-to-toe with colin bowden over at the e-racers group one of the rookies coming into the series this season and really a tough break for them as well as we saw of course how Fala we have to talk about had probably one of his better runs until he got caught up in one of the late cautions to where he fell back to a 12th place finish yeah one of the top five fastest drivers for parts of the race in my opinion because 
He had the track position. He was able to maintain said track position. Then you had the big one start to pile in because he picked up some fender damage. And when it comes to this package, when it comes to this next-gen car, you cannot afford any major significant aerodynamic damage. It will slow you down by a couple tenths per lap at some of the big tracks. So I think that's what really cost him a lot there. And it also put him on the back foot, which if you're on the back foot, you're pushed into a pressing situation. And that seemed to be what challenged many drivers it was. They were just forced to press way, way too hard. And it led to a snowball effect. It certainly did. A lot of drivers certainly struggled with that. One driver in particular also that we saw that struggled with a severe damage was Parker Retzlaff, one of the up-and-coming rookies this season, who had a couple of ups and downs, but not really where he wanted to be when the checkered flag fell, falling quite a ways back outside of the top 30. Yeah, for Parker Retzlaff, it seemed like a lot of frustration for him. It seemed parts of the night in particular was keeping an eye on particular on his motions in terms of how he was in the rig in particular with some of the work behind the scenes. And he was going back and forth, almost signaling, push, push, come on, car, push, push, faster. But it just didn't have the speed because of the damage it had. And that's going to mean, I think, the next time out, Taylor, the pressure is going to be even higher now for drivers to push, knowing that they can't really afford to have three bad races in a row for some, especially with some of the experience struggling early. Those drivers, rather. Yeah, a lot of drivers are going to be struggling, especially when we get ready to head to the next track, which will be later on in a couple of weeks' time, as we know, with the schedule being ready to be set up, heading to Atlanta Motor Speedway. Now, the big question is going to be, is it going to be the current Atlanta Motor Speedway that we have on the system here at iRacing, or will it be the brand new Atlanta Motor Speedway that we are about to see happen in the real world in a couple of weeks' time? That's going to be the question, and it's going to throw a huge curveball either way because it's the next-gen car at the old Atlanta Motor Speedway, or it's going to be the next-gen car at the new one, which no one has so many clues as to far as how that will race. Here's the main thing. When it comes to the old Atlanta, it'd be the same package of what you had at Las Vegas, right? Which allows the teams to be able to figure things out. And if they had some good speed from Las Vegas, build upon it. If it's the new Atlanta, with the different horsepower package proposed for that racetrack, with the different tire compounds in the real world, with the different ways the aerodynamics are expected, and with it being projected to race like a super speedway, you kind of can't really work ahead of the game and ahead of the curb quite yet until you know if it's old or new that's going to be the biggest question mark heading into week 13 is what track will these drivers get the chance to race on because remember there was a portion of that design phase that went through iRacing and was previewed on tv in the past it certainly was we'll have to wait and see as we get closer to that week of course the next round of the e-nascar coca-cola iRacing series kicks off at may on may march 15th at 9 p.m 8 30 is when the pre-race festivities begin all on iRacing and nascar's streaming platforms across youtube twitch you name it they will be streaming at starting at 8 30 with the pre-race festivities but meanwhile there is another special event happening in the world of iRacing that is the E NASCAR College Series, a brand new series that helps that's been introduced. And Justin, you've been on the call for that. And tell us a little bit more about this E NASCAR College Championship Series. 
So how it works is it is a fixed series where to qualify in, you must be a full-time college or university student in the United States or Canada, and then be able to set a time inside the top 40 in a time attack. Then if you're able to make it out of the time attack phase, you get invited to the race portion. With the first race being at Daytona, second, now getting preparations in for drivers starting today, being at Charlotte, and then you also have a road course mixed in for the first few months of the year. And it was none other than Colton Salick who picked up the win at Daytona for the inaugural and season opener. Of course, Colton Salick, a Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University uh, student also in the stair as he set to roll up 27th, but was able to only lead that final most important lap, the last one to where he took home the checkered flag. He got an absolutely huge bump draft that helped him significantly coming to the final corners. That helped him push his way past the outside line to be able to secure his way to victory, especially with a lot of talent in the field. And I'm not just talking about those with the NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing experience or those with said experience known for racing the college scene, like a Santi Torres or a Dylan Alt. We're talking about guys who are making runs in Road to Pro now and are some of the top prospects, such as Daniel Budafuco with his experience on other eNASCAR platforms. There was a lot of stacked talent in that field, Taylor, but the Daytona, of course, the great equalizer, you had to keep the truck clean if you wanted to win a scholarship to be able to help your tuition fees. Yeah, it's very difficult. Dylan Ole, of course, finished in 16th position. Then you have drivers such as Connor Osedrick, who finished in 4th. Santiago Tires, who we talked about briefly, also comes home with a top five finish. So, And unfortunately for one driver who was a major prospect a couple of seasons ago in the E-NASCAR Roads Pro Series, Jose Solius Jr. did not get a good start to the season with a 36th position. Ryan Duchette as well with a 37. So a tough break for some of the big names that we see all across the iRacing service not having the best of luck. But... We will see the next round at Charlotte Motor Speedway for an 80-lap race starting on March 24th. But however, if you are a college student in the United States or Canada, you have between March 7th and March 20th to be able to enter the time attack sessions in order to register to set the grid for that 80-lap race. Well, Justin, as we know, a lot of things are about to be happening. We are currently in week 12 right now as we record this episode of the iRacers Download. But next week is going to be an important one as it's going to be Build Week, which for those of you who are new to the iRacers Download and iRacing, Build Week is a time to where we kind of reset some things, make sure we get some updates, whether it be to the physics, to, of course, the tracks, the cars that are already in the system as well as some new goodies for those of us to experience, to have fun with here across the iRacing platform. And we'll go ahead and give you a preview of what's already been confirmed and announced that will be released next week, which is going to be exciting. So as most of you know, the 1987 NASCAR Legends Pack, who are been introduced back in 2020, well, they're going to get a new friend. The Buick LeSaver will be joining the ranks of the 87 NASCAR Legends, thanks to the help of Dale Jr., and then, of course, a new dirt track, the Federated Auto Parts Raceway at I-55, will be making its debut. And some new Aussie racetracks, the Australian Supercars, will be now going to the Winton Raceway, which has been added on. And, Justin, this is an exciting opportunity to see some great content added to the iRacing service. Well, the big one for me is the expansion, first of all, of the Australian-based tracks, because that's been something that's absolutely in my honest opinion, been lacking the past few years in particular. But now, with tracks like Winton finally making their way to the platform, I think that's a huge sign of the future. And 
some of the potential partnerships that come into play because it'll add more abilities to hold more diverse tracks, more diverse events in turn. I think it's going to be a great place to race. And having more dirt tracks is so critical because it's been talked about how many tracks have been in the pipeline or starting to enter said pipeline and how many tracks could be coming to the service in the future. There's a lot of tracks across the country that people go to week in, week out to cheer on their favorite drivers, as well as to see national sanctioned competition. I think it's absolutely huge to be able to finally make that progress and add some diversity for some of the drivers to challenge with, especially for the future of the platform itself. It certainly is. And to give a little tidbit, a little bit of a preview, there has been announced by iRacing five more dirt tracks that are coming in the pipeline between now as probably we will probably see most of these released within the 2022 seasons throughout this 2022 calendar year. Uh, a couple of other special announcements that we will give you a pre preview to the iRacing Grand Prix Tour will be making its debut so for those of you who are interested into the world of iRacing we of course have the NASCAR iRacing series which follows the entire NASCAR schedule that is happening in the real world same thing with other series such as of course the iRacing IndyCar series and also the IMSA iRacing series that follows the schedules very closely to their real-world counterparts, and the Formula One cars that we have on iRacing, Justin, well, they're about to join the same ranks. And that was something I think we all seen coming, especially with the future prospects when it comes to that car and the future developments when it comes to open-wheel racing. Wouldn't be surprised to see a bit more development down the line when it comes to that type of car, knowing the hype, knowing the pace, knowing how fun even the last generation open wheel world championship kind of cars are in terms of real world action. I'm referring to world titles. Yeah, of course the formula one car that we saw back in 2021, that Mercedes lovingly, I would have to say, I had to say this is a loving gesture that Mercedes did to allow us to drive the 2021 Mercedes formula one car, which is an absolute beast and pleasure to drive on any of the great road circuits that we have on the iRacing service. And it's just only a small tidbit of what we could see in the future with the brand new 2022 regulation Mercedes F1 car that has also been seen recently on the track during the test week at Barcelona a couple of weeks ago. I think that one's going to take some time, obviously, since it's an ever-changing process. The big thing I noticed in the real world, though, is the mention of the engine package essentially being frozen, the development for the next few years. I think that may help a little bit in terms of the future development for the sim counterpart to be able to get that to the drivers themselves. I'm curious of that down the line, Taylor, but I can't wait to see how drivers handle the car. That's going to be the tough thing because it's not an easy car to master. It takes a lot of talent to run it the world in Formula One at the global stage. It certainly does, and a lot of people are going to be looking forward to that whenever that gets released. We haven't been confirmed for this current build for Season 2, but we could be perhaps seeing that between Season 3 and to the end of the 2022 calendar year. A couple of other small tidbits have been possibly announced, of course. We all know about the Atlanta Motor Speedway. We touched briefly on that during the preview to what to expect for the next round of the E-NASCAR. Hopefully that will be in the build, along with, of course, the new... 
NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, the 2022 body styles that we see currently running. iRacing is working on that. We hope it's released before the Season 2 build, at the very least in Season 3, because, Justin, the importance of iRacing working with NASCAR, having the most up-to-date manufactured designs is so important to continue that special relationship with NASCAR. And the big thing for me is, one, how it's going to impact drivers making the run at Rhodes Pro Competition, obviously. Because if it's a physics change, if that is down into the line, is the key word, if. How would that impact what teams are able to do and how much would they have to try and relearn? At the same time, you're absolutely right. It's important to have the most up-to-date trucks knowing how the body style essentially changed for the first time in, what, 15, 20 years? Because a lot of the trucks have been essentially the same type of style for a good portion of the last decade, decade and a half. So it's understandable where you want to have the most up-to-date material and up-to-date cars if you are a, whether a sanctioning body or whether you're a sim racer. It certainly is, and we'll have to wait and see on that avenue whether that will be released next build. Of course, we will go into more detail about the build next week on the next episode of the iRacers Download, but we thought here on the iRacers Download we'd give you a little bit of a preview before we get ready for the build. But on that note, we are going to take a commercial break, but when we come back, we will have our special guest of the week, driver of the number 8 WR1 chassis Chevrolet for Junior Motorsports, Michael Conti on the iRacers Download. Welcome back to the iRacers Download on the SpeedSport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley Radio and on NASCAR Digital Media. Taylor Burris here along with Justin Prince as we have our special guest of the week. He is the winner at Las Vegas for the E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series, driver for Junior Motorsports, Michael Conti. Michael, welcome back to the iRacers Download. And I got to ask, how did this win feel getting it here with the next-gen cars at Vegas? Well, it was, uh, ooh, it was definitely a big uh, weight off my shoulders, just like last year to be able to get the win out of the way early so we can focus on preparing for the playoffs. But, uh, you know, it was, it was definitely a validation of, all of the prep work that I have personally done the last year to learn the next gen car, figure out how to drive it uh, as best I can and, and be as competitive as I can uh, be with it. So uh, it really, really, really uh, made me feel good that all of that work wasn't in vain. And it was awesome to go against 39 of, of the best oval sim racers in the world and uh, be able to come out on top and uh, score a victory for us. It was a very exciting victory race that was shorter than what we're used to. And we got to ask your thoughts about how the shorter race distances for this season affects the implications of really trying to get that win compared to what it was a season ago, even. It's definitely tougher with the, with the shorter races because it doesn't allow you as much opportunity to overcome maybe a bad qualifying uh, position or an issue in the race. So uh, definitely makes it feel that much better that we've put ourselves in a position where as long as we stay top 20 in points, we're guaranteed a playoff spot um, you know, when, when playoff time rolls around. I think as the playoffs grow closer, the races are only going to pick up in intensity. And you know, we had our fair share of cautions on Tuesday, and I really don't see that changing either with with the way the intermediate racing is right now, uh, which is still very, uh, very much draft locked, especially at the high grip places like Vegas, 
there's really no getting away from anybody, even if you're significantly faster. So it's all about positioning and trying to qualify up front. And uh, luckily for us, we were able to qualify extremely well for the second week in a row. And uh, early on, we, we knew that we had the car to beat, so just had to execute. And, uh, and we did that. And luckily for us, uh, unlike 38 other people out there, we can we can sleep a little bit easier at night knowing that uh, we're all but guaranteed a spot in the uh, postseason. Let's talk about this next-gen car a little bit now. We've got a couple of weeks under our belts, a couple of races in. Still learning it, of course, but we're now having the correct package that we are now seeing across the iRacing platform. Of course, you, you raced it, of course, not only just in the eNASCAR series, but also utilizing it in the official sanctioning with the NASCAR iRacing series. What makes this next-gen car so different compared to what we saw with the Gen 6 car as far as with the setup process as well as even just the driving capabilities? We've heard from the pros, but what about the virtual drivers? Well, I think it goes hand-in-hand with what we've seen in real life so far. Uh, As you had mentioned, the pros have all commented that these cars are extremely edgy, extremely difficult to drive, and it's almost like a throwback to the Gen 4 car and how they raced in the mid-2000s with Uh, Very little window for uh, slip angle in the car and in the tire. Uh, Very little uh, window for mistakes. Can't really overdrive because that'll be penalized with uh, you more than likely crashing the thing. And you can't underdrive because uh, you'll be well off the pace. So with the Gen 6 car, and especially the way it was the last couple couple of years with uh, high downforce, low horsepower package, you had a lot of margin for error. And the way you drove the car really was not consistent with how I've driven cars coming up the ranks. And over the years of my sim racing, I was brought up on cars like the next gen that were extremely loose, had to be edgy to be fast, very little margin for error. And if you screwed up, you paid big time. So for people like myself, and I'm sure you can throw Ray into the mix and Nick Ottinger and and for guys like us that have uh, driven three generations of car now at the top level. This is definitely a lot more consistent with what we had, I would say, from 2014, 15 or so, maybe even 16 or 17 and back, um, and, and puts it a lot more in our hands versus what we've had the last several years, which has ultimately been very setup dependent. Um, dirty air was, was a huge factor, um, and it just it really was not a very satisfying car to drive at the limit just because you just really couldn't do much as a driver to make the difference. And now on the flip side, we've got a car where we can make a difference. And even if the setup isn't a hundred percent there, I think we saw on Tuesday that you could drive through it. And if you had the uh, guts, we'll say uh, to pack it into the corner a little bit harder than the guy next to you. And if you had the confidence to make it happen, you could overcome a couple shortcomings in the setup. So that was cool to see. And, uh, cool to have to hang on to the car. Cool to see people spinning out. Just just really nice to actually have to drive these things again and put our talent on display versus uh, it being solely based on uh, setup and track position. You mentioned 2014, and if I remember correctly, 2014 was the year where you became the 2014 NASCAR Peak Antifreeze Series champion. So do you think maybe this could be a year where we could possibly see you make that return and claim the championship once again? I absolutely believe that. Um, yeah, I'll be completely transparent here. When when we were going into 2022 and uh, it looked like we were going to have another high downforce, low horsepower package, I was uh, I was not at all excited 
to drive these things at the majority of the tracks we're going to this year, that being in intermediates and larger uh, racetracks. And when uh, NASCAR held the uh, test in Charlotte and they worked through some different packages and ultimately landed on this uh, smaller spoiler with more power, that changed my outlook completely. And it went from being a, oh boy, here we go, let's survive another year kind of mentality to, oh man, I really think I can excel at this and, and get back to where I want to be. And as I've said over the last couple of days, I feel like the last couple of years for me has been more about defense than offense. Uh, I've really just been trying to protect in these races as opposed to moving up. And I, I really just didn't have a feel for what the car needed. I just didn't really know what I was looking for and what I needed to make speed. And with all the work I've done for EPI and uh, you know, customers over the last year helping learn and set up this next-gen car, I knew that a car that was hard to drive, like what we had in 2014 when I won the championship, would certainly suit my skill set better. And Vegas was definitely a validation of what I believed was going to happen. So it was good to see that uh, uh, I was correct in thinking that I would do well with this car. Um, and, and really, at this point, anything less than a multiple win season would be a disappointment to me. I went out uh, setting expectations that we'd at least get two wins. And for us to have clicked off a win in the second race of the year with so many races left and so many good tracks for us. I have no doubt we'll be in championship form. I have no question that we can do better than we did in 2014 as a whole. So confidence for me is definitely as high as it's been in a very long time. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting into the playoffs later this year and really giving everybody a run for their money. And I will say you did call your shot when we spoke to you before the season, in part because of that experience with EPI and whatnot. The one curious thing swelled, though, was... It seemed a lot of the younger up-and-comers, it seemed, and several others had a lot of uh, demons to try and battle. What was your opinion what you took from the tape, so to speak, on how the racing went behind you as you were looking nice and calm? It was pretty crazy behind you. Yeah, Justin, I'm thankful that we qualified so well because uh, it gave me the opportunity to really just focus on what was out in front and uh, not all of the mayhem behind, but... Um, admittedly, I was definitely looking in the mirror quite a bit that race and I saw what was going on and really I, I saw a lot of moves and a lot of aggression and a lot of driving that probably would not have been penalized with the Gen 6 as far as people you know, holding tight on other guys doors mid corner, maybe driving in deep on the bottom and trying to slide up. I saw a lot of stuff that more than likely wouldn't have resulted in an accident in the old car, but now with this car, uh, being so much more on the edge, um, I think it definitely took a lot of the less experienced drivers by surprise. And, uh, that is ultimately what led to us having so many cautions was just a lot of over aggression. And if you, if you look back to races from 2012 to again, 2016, 17, even, even 18 was pretty clean at the end of the year, there's a lot of give and take. And, people are going to have to balance that this year with the fact that the races are so short. You're going to have to give a little bit. You're going to have to take care of the guys around you. So you have something to race with at the end, but that's going to be tough because if you give that spot up and the race is so short, can you get it back in time? So it's going to be a balance to strike. I'm sure we'll get cleaner as the year goes on. That's always how it goes. Uh, but it was definitely a much different intermediate race as far as cautions and accidents than we've seen in years past. I was going to say, one of the main things I noticed, too, is, of course, we spent, on the iRacing service, about 
two and a half, three years on high downforce, low horsepower, and it almost works like the relearning process. Did you have to try and relearn things when you started to get a grip on the next-gen car, and what was that process like if you had to essentially rework those mechanics back to a high horsepower, low downforce sort of feel? Yeah, definitely. It definitely took me by surprise the first um, time I drove the car after the update. I want to say it might have been Auto Club or Kentucky. It was definitely an intermediate track. Uh, That's where A Open was that week, and uh, I was doing work for EPI. And I'd already put out a setup for that week, and the update rolled out. And obviously that setup, which was catered to high downforce, low power, was completely out to lunch. So really what forced me to relearn this, because it was certainly a relearning process, was the fact that, I had people relying on me to put out a product. I had people that followed us and needed us to make sure that we had our stuff together so they could go out and be successful. And that is ultimately what pushed me to learn this car and to learn it quickly and to try to understand how to extract as much pace out of it as possible. Now, that's not to say if I didn't have my obligations with those guys that I wouldn't have put time and effort into relearning it. I certainly would have. But I think my hand was forced in learning it as quickly as possible. So we weren't putting out subpar products that couldn't compete in A Open and NIS and any of those series. So um, that definitely got me there quicker. It was definitely a relearning process. But the fact that myself and some of the other veterans in the series have driven so many different cars, so many different tire models, so many different aero models, we, we've truly seen it all basically. It allows us to think back to older cars, older seasons, past years, and apply some of what we did back then and apply it to this car. And I think that definitely lessens the learning curve versus a new guy that's used to a lot of high downforce vehicles like the truck and like the Gen 6 of uh, years past. Let's talk about that. You are one of the many NASCAR drivers who has partnered with these setup shops to be a setup coach as well as a setup builder for allowing the chance for drivers who want to be able to learn and how to build their own setups or even utilize some of the better setups compared to utilizing what iRacing has. Uh, For those of you who are listening here on the podcast for the first time, what we're talking about is with iRacing, you can critique and utilize special setups that iRacing has built but also build your own setups. And unfortunately for some of us who are you know, busy with other responsibilities, we don't have that time to test and tune and build our own. So we utilize drivers such as Michael Conti, who we pay up a service to, to be able to sit down with him and he'll be able to, in a sense, tutor and teach us or buy the setups that he has built. And, you know, Michael, we've seen this explosion of many different companies come up through the past couple of years, but... How important is it for Unisense in a way to give back to the community with this opportunity as far as being a setup coach and builder? Well, definitely uh, is a big responsibility because, as I mentioned before, you've got a lot of people that are counting on you to put out, put out a quality product every week. And if, if the product isn't good, um, people are going to lose faith quickly and they're probably going to go somewhere else because, as as a lot of us know, there is no shortage of set up services out there right now and it's very hard to differentiate yourself from the rest so making sure you've got uh some good consistent cars that you're you're uh putting out there is very important as far as giving back um i've always enjoyed uh coaching 
I've always enjoyed training. I've been a trainer in different capacities in my day job before, and I've always enjoyed helping people grow and develop and and get better at whatever they're they're trying to get better at. So naturally, um, teaming up with uh, with a setup shop was good in many regards. Uh, it's it's definitely um, a good opportunity uh, to be kind of like a, a side gig for me on top of my uh, eNASCAR obligations and on top of my day job. Um, you know, it's just one more thing on my plate, but. Uh, I guess I'm a workaholic, so I, I definitely welcome that challenge. But then it's also really rewarding to see people drive your setups and, and bring them to uh, to success and wins. And it's fun to see people succeed with the product that you're putting out. It's definitely a, a great feeling when they do well with it. But on top of that, um, you know, it, it, it's not easy sometimes to just take a setup from a shop and be successful with it, or be even remotely as successful as the builder was with it, because I am the one building the setup. I'm going to drive differently than you. You are going to drive differently than Justin. We all drive a little bit differently. Um, and working with with our customers and our uh, development drivers on the team, it's it's important to help them understand how to cater the setup to their skill set. But in a lot of ways too, it's important to help them mold their driving around the setup in some instances too because sometimes the setup's going to be loose it's going to be edgy it's not going to be comfortable and if we try to tell our customers well you can tighten it up with nose weight or you can change uh cross weight or change the rear diff preload if we try to cater too much to their driving and how they like to drive we may in the long run limit their potential of success because they're not getting the most out of the car. They're not maximizing the car's potential because they're going with a more comfortable package. So as the setup, as a setup coach, as a builder, as somebody who helps all these people out, it's it's definitely important to to identify, you know, what's an opportunity with a setup versus what's an opportunity with the driver. So all that goes into what we do on a daily basis with EPI. Um, and like I said, everybody's different. Every setup's different. Every driver's different. Uh, but we certainly do our best um, across the board to put out the best product possible. And that's why, going back to the last point, I spent so much time with this next-gen car, even when it was frustrating and I didn't want to and I was burned out from it, I still had to push forward because ultimately I had a responsibility and that was to make sure that my customers uh, had everything they, they could uh, to uh, get victories and be successful with whatever they raced. And it certainly paid off, especially for those who are probably going to be looking forward to racing this past week in Las Vegas. Uh, one final question as we come to a close here tonight, Michael. You know, you are a driver for Junior Motorsports. You've been a driver for Junior Motorsports for quite some time since the Junior Motorsports team has come involved with the eNASCAR competition. What was Junior's reaction when you were able to pick up this win this season? This makes it two seasons in a row picking up wins. As we pointed out, your win last season at Daytona, now here at Vegas. Uh, what has been the reaction over at the Junior Motorsports team? Oh, Dale was, was extremely uh, thrilled afterward. I was uh, doing some obligations after the race with uh, some interviews and whatnot. And my crew chief, Adam, uh, was like, hey, Dale's on Discord. Jump on. And uh, Adam and myself and Anthony, my spotter, got on there and, and we talked to Dale for a good probably 30 or 40 minutes. And uh, just like last year, he was really pumped about it. Uh, Dale is, as we all know, a very uh, avid sim racing uh, proponent, a fan and a competitor. You will see Dale uh, pretty routinely when he's not 
uh, too, too busy. He'll run NIS, he'll do the 87 cars. So he's definitely a customer as well uh, as somebody who's very influential to iRacing in, in the direction that they take in a lot of things. So uh, for Dale, being able to score a win two years in a row very early on uh, was great for him. Uh, you know, Chad Wheeler with WR1, my, my sponsor, uh, he reached out after the race. He was very happy. Um, you know, junior motorsports as a whole, uh, just like in real life, they expect to go for wins and championships. And luckily now, uh, over the past, uh, four years, we've had an opportunity in the playoffs every year, uh, to go for a championship. And two out of those years, we've made it to the final four. So, um, you know, we're definitely, uh, we're definitely doing well. Uh, junior's happy. Now our focus shifts to making sure that Briar uh, has a good rookie year. We're super excited to have Briar and Ledford Billiard Supply in the 88 car this year. Uh, you know, Brad was a long standing member of Junior Motorsports even before they were officially in the eNASCAR series. So uh, it was definitely tough to lose Brad. But uh, when Briar came along and we talked to him, we knew that he was going to be the best fit possible for that car. And uh, he rebounded nicely at Vegas to uh, finish just outside the top 15, which is uh, good for him and good for our team points. So off to a great start this year. Everybody's happy at JRM, and uh, hopefully we can keep the momentum going and score a couple more wins before uh, we get to playoff time. Well, Michael, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you back on the iRacers download to talk about this win and some of the other things that you have going on in the world of sim racing. Before we let you go, where can people go to follow your career this season, as well as to watch you maybe on board with any of the eNASCAR or any iRacing events you compete on in the future? Uh, yes, so a uh, main place to follow what I'm doing uh, with sim racing is my Twitter, at MikeConti5. Uh, I always have uh, toyed with the idea of streaming, not currently doing that, um, but my crew chief, Adam Benefield, actually uh, streams occasionally, so definitely uh, check him out on Twitch. And uh, that's about it. You can catch me every other Tuesday in the NASCAR series. Other than that, I'm busy doing the EPI stuff, so not too much official racing at this point in time, but uh, hopefully we can find some time to do more in the future. That is Michael Conti, driver for Junior Motorsports and winner at Las Vegas in the E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series. Coming up, we're going to preview what's to come. You're listening to the iRacers Download on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley Radio and on NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the iRacers Download on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley Radio and on NASCAR Digital Media. We just got done talking to our special guest of the week, Michael Conti, winner at Las Vegas. And I got to say, this is going to be an exciting season, Justin, to watch Junior Motorsports and Michael Conti. He seems pumped and excited, and he's calling his shot. He thinks he has what it takes to win a championship again. And I don't blame him with the amount of work he's put into the car, but also just how consistent he looked at Las Vegas. But there's the interesting mark of, with the way this next-gen car is, expect a lot of ebbs and flows where one driver may have the momentum for a couple weeks to the next driver and the next grouping and so forth. This is a car that's going to be a learning curve for everybody and has been so far, Taylor. It's not going to be as simple as one driver's going to run off in a way the whole time. Eventually, everyone's going to catch up. They certainly are, and it's not going to take long, and it's just going to mean this season will be even more exciting as we get ready to see them take to Hot Atlanta on March 15th. Catch all the action once again on all of eNASCAR and iRacing streaming services. 
But we have a couple of more events to preview. In fact, on Thursday, March 3rd, if you're listening to us on the future download later on, it is going to be the eNASCAR Qualifying Road to Pro iRacing Series. They take to Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Catch all the action on all of iRacing streaming services to see who has what it takes to make it to the road to $300,000. And it starts once again at Las Vegas. Our very own Justin Prince will be going out there to compete as well this season. He's got a little bit of work to do, but Justin, how confident do you feel going into this race? Very unconfident. Thank you. <laughs> well, we hope you will be able to roll the dice and have a little bit of lady luck on your side for that event. But catch all the action. We'll be reviewing that race next episode. Also, finally, to round out the week, if you are a fan of all things Porsche, make sure to tune in to the Porsche Tag Heuer Esports Super Cup as we head to South America and Brazil to Autodromo Jose Carlos Pache or Interlagos for the next round of the Tag Heuer Esports Super Cup. A lot of drivers looking forward to this race, especially with how the new GT3 Cup car will be able to handle at such a very difficult but very fun circuit at Interlagos. Yeah, it's going to be intriguing. Remember, that was via fan vote absolutely, where the fans wanted to see that racetrack because, well, it's put on some great racing when it comes to high-level road course competition on the iRacing service, so I don't blame them. And in turn, though, going to be a very intriguing round for the open parts of the season because it's more technical. It has some drafting sections, yes. But it really challenges the psyche and skill of the driver, in my opinion. And that's one of the main things that's different from a couple of the tracks early on. I'm curious how things go in Brazil. It certainly is. You can catch all of the action later on this Saturday to see who will be able to come out on top of that event. Of course, all things kick off at around, I believe it's 1.30 eastern time with the all-star event and then of course the championship competitors take to the stage at 2 30 p.m eastern time but with that it is time we come to a close for myself taylor Burst, for justin prince and our special guest michael conti we thank you for listening to this week's episode of the iRacers download on the speed sport podcast network presented by crosley radio and on nascar digital media <laughs>